In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. In the 8th and 6th centuries BC, the Assyrian and Babylonian conquests of Israel and Judah scattered the Jews throughout the Mediterranean world in what came to be known as the Diaspora. Nevertheless, devout Jews returned to the Promised Land as they do today. And on the day we call Pentecost, many would have returned for the great feast of weeks, or Shavuot, which commemorates the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. The biggest celebration in the Jewish calendar is the Feast of Passover, which celebrates the Exodus. But it was not the Exodus that made Israel a nation. I have on other occasions quoted Joseph Ratzinger on this matter, for he states it concisely and with truth. In the Old Testament tradition, the decisive action in Moses' activity as mediator is not the act of leading the people of Israel out of Egypt, but the act of handing on the law at Mount Sinai. For Israel is set free and becomes a free nation of its own only by becoming a legal community. Lack of freedom is the condition of being without law. And so it is that 50 days after the Jews celebrate the exodus from Egyptian slavery, they celebrate the giving of the law at Mount Sinai, which creates them as a nation, God's particular possession among all the peoples of the earth. Our Lord made his own Passover at the feast of the Jewish Passover. He passed from death to life in his crucifixion and resurrection. And his Passover fulfills the Israelite Passover from Egypt into freedom. Fifty days later, the Lord God chose to send the Holy Spirit to fulfill the intent of the law of Moses and to give birth to the new Israel of God in Jesus Christ, the church. Hence, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. The Holy Spirit was poured out onto the apostles, who were themselves devout Jews. And they began to proclaim the risen Jesus as Lord and God, and they were understood. Then their hearers were amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? And this takes us back, back before the Exodus, before the giving of the law, to the story of the Tower of Babel. The story of the Tower of Babel, we are often told when we read the literature, the story of the Tower of Babel is an etiology, a little story to explain how it comes to be that the human race can have so many languages. But that's not really what it's about. 
The story of the Tower of Babel is about God confusing human speech to protect us from our pride and our propensity to exalt ourselves even above God himself. The story of the Tower of Babel is about the reasons for the difficulty we have in understanding one another. I'm married to one of the most intelligent people I've ever known, married to her for 48 years. And yet I can tell her the most obvious and simple thing only to be encounter misunderstanding and incomprehension. I won't ask you to raise your hand if you've had this experience. That's what the story of the Tower of Babel is all about. On the day we call Pentecost, the Holy Spirit created understanding and mutual comprehension among a disparate group of people. And the mystery of Babel was overcome by the Holy Spirit. People heard and understood. And St. Luke tells us that that day, about 3,000 were baptized. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, that is the Holy Eucharist, and to the prayers, specifically prayers in the name of Jesus. In other words, they devoted themselves to what we are doing right here, right now, what Christians have done from that day, and what faithful Christians will do until the Lord returns in glory. The visible presence of Christ has passed into the sacraments, which is to say that the visible presence of Christ has passed into us. The sacraments are animated by the Holy Spirit, and they are given to us so that we can become united with the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is a divine human mystery. Christ is eternally embodied, and we are his body, and he is the head and most important member of the church. Just as the law constitutes Israel as a nation, the Holy Spirit creates the church as the bride of Christ, his body and the temple of God. No law, no Israel, no Holy Spirit, no church. The church is a divine human mystery. But as they say in those commercials, you know those commercials for the knives that chop everything and the spot remover that removes every stain? But wait, there's more, and there is more. The Holy Spirit descended, and the apostles preached, and the people heard and understood and believed and were baptized. But others mocked, saying they're filled with new wine, causing Peter to declare, these men aren't drunk, it's only 9 a.m. Now, there's humor in the Bible, and that's one of the funny lines. You know, it, you know, it's like Peter saying, well, you know, if it were 9 p.m., but no, it's too early for them to be drunk. That's what I call a weak defense. The defense attorneys among us will appreciate that, right? Uh, <clears throat> in any event, this is at the heart of the story and the heart of the mystery of Pentecost. Here, hidden 
in the story of that day is the word that I believe we very much need to hear and to understand. God will always make it possible for us to believe in him, but he will never force us to believe in him. God is good. Goodness, like love, is what God is. And he created us to share in his own being, in the goodness and love which he is. And because of this, he always respects our liberty. No one can make another person good. We can force a person to do the right thing. This is what law and its enforcement are about. But God will not force us to be good, to love, or to listen to him, because he will not impose himself on us. He created us to believe in him. He created us to be good. He makes it possible for us to believe in him and to be good. But he will not make us believe in him or be good. He calls us. He invites us. He calls us to himself. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's one of the most beautiful invitations of our Lord found in Holy Scripture. That's God speaking to us. It's an invitation, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Follow me, says the Lord. But we are always free, like the rich young man in the Gospels, to say no and to turn away into the darkness of the world. Some heard and believed, were baptized, and entered into life. Others said it's all nonsense. They're drunk. So it was then, and so it is now. Pentecost began 2,000 years ago, and it continues. Pentecost is yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Pentecost will last until the Son of God returns in glory to judge the living and the dead and establish his kingdom of endless glory, which is most certainly not of this world. Every day, the Holy Spirit speaks through those whom he chooses in every tongue known to man. And every day, some hear and believe, some receive the word of life and enter into life, and others turn away saying it's all nonsense. God speaks, but he will not make us listen. This also means that the church herself exists in a state of perpetual crisis. The English word crisis comes directly from the Greek, and it means decision. To be in crisis means to be forced to decide. And the church, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit, must perpetually decide whether she will listen to the spirit who is present and speaking or to some other spirit. St. John warns us, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are of God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And how are we to know the true prophets from the false? St. John tells us, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit which confesses that Jesus Christ 
has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. In every time and place, alien spirits call to the church and to every member of it. They call to us, asking us to abandon the Holy Spirit, to make ourselves deaf to the Holy Spirit by an act of the will, to declare the word of life nonsense, and to embrace some other spirit. Perhaps the most subtle and dangerous of all the false spirits that call to us is the spirit of the age. That spirit which is always telling us to catch up, to get with it, to be like everybody else, to please an unbelieving world by our conformity to it, to reject the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit calls us, and therefore every day we must decide. We are in this perpetual crisis of decision. What spirit do we listen to? Do we listen to the spirit of the age? Or do we listen to the Holy Spirit and follow the Lord to the land of the just? Pentecost is today and every day until the end of time. Amen.